Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Actually, if we could hurry up this process, I have, I, there's a million Twins things I'd love to talk about with you, but I have uh, a scheduled recording on a Bachelorette recap podcast here in like 30 minutes. So, if, if you wouldn't mind my literal brain, just humor me for a second. Literally one million things to talk about, because I have like three, and that's stretching it. Uh, that may have been an over-exaggeration, okay. yeah. It may have been, unless you wanted to, I could talk about 23 million things, one million for each a thing that Joe Maurer is getting paid for I see. each dollar he's getting paid. Yeah, so he's mediocre at first base. I see. Um, I actually have some trade deadline stuff that I want to get into, um, but even that, we're sort of, we're sort of, um, you know, in the business they call it stretching. You sort of take something that probably deserves to be talked about for forty-five seconds, and hey, hey, can you stretch? We got to get another one fifteen until our commercial break. <laughs> We never so, do that on the Mackie and Judd show. <laughs> I we have another, believe it. We have another three hours to fill yeah. here. Let's hey, start Judd, stretching. Judd, can you make something up really quick and get mad about it? <laughs> it Actually, great. I have, speaking of The Bachelorette, and this is the first time in the ten or however many years this show has been, you got The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And for the first time, I'm hooked on either one of those shows. I'm, uh-huh. I'm hooked for the first time. If you're Rob Anthony and you're competing... <laughs> I don't like all, where this is going. And you're, <laughs> and you're competing with all of these other guys, and in The Bachelorette, you'd be competing for a smoking hot brunette. Uh, her name is JoJo. And, uh, of course and She's is. got it down to two guys now. The season finale is next week. If you're participating in the GM equivalent of The Bachelorette, and the twins are JoJo, and you're Rob Antony, and you look around the room, and you know that you have a personal connection with that woman from years past, so you have you think you have a leg up, but really, hardcore friend zone. She kind of yeah, she kind of wants to deviate from the friend zone. Uh-huh. And you've got let's say five other qualified candidates to take that woman's hand and to get down on one knee and propose. Mm-hmm. And you're probably ranked at the bottom of that list. Would you just go about? Would you just go on the show wearing khakis and sort of uh, you know kind of blend in the background, or would you do something drastic? To make it known to JoJo, I am here, and I am competing with these other five guys. If you're Rob Anthony and you want to get a rose at the end of this ceremony, do you do something drastic during this short period in which you are GM of the Twins? Okay, see, finally. Now I get where we're going with this. Or or do you propose to a hot brunette named JoJo instead (laughs) and then let Alex Anthopoulos take over? (laughs) 
Okay, so here I felt like I was riding this mechanical bull through that metaphor and and <laughs> trying to figure out. Okay, who's Rob? Is Rob Anthony really Rob Anthony? No, actually, and, Rob Anthony is the show host. Right. He's just <laughs> he's just there. I was trying to figure out like, okay, what are the pieces? Oh so, no, you missed it. Rob Anthony and Terry Ryan really love The Bachelorette. Right. Yeah, there. they talk about it way more often than they should, which is why the front office slipped in terms of player development. There was a group uh, in spring training, a group of Twins players who got they were hooked on. I think it was The Bachelor though during uh, during spring training. It would have been February. March. Probably was The Bachelor. At yeah, that The point, Bachelor. Right? I think there was. I mean, it's like Brian. Ryan Dozier, Trevor Plouffe, Phil Hughes, Atal. Actually, wouldn't it be more fun if the Twins held a ceremony like this on Fox Sports North? Let's go 10 episodes. Let's start Let's start the search process right now, and let's make all these guys go in front of the camera and pour their hearts out about how much they love the Minnesota Twins. Mm. Or maybe they play it cool and talk about like how much they used to like the Reds <laughs> yeah. and how they hope the Twins are not like the Reds. And the Dodgers have been texting me lately. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... I, I'm not saying I'm going. Uh, it's something I've thought about. Um, in this case, I finally caught up with your metaphor, and I agree with the premise. I think Rob Antony, for Rob Antony's sake, I have a column coming on this today, but a little sneak peek if anyone's listening early to the podcast. Uh, Rob Antony, for Rob Antony's sake, needs to swing for the fences. And that's the premise of the column. It's not that, hey, this is best for the long-term future of the Minnesota Twins. That's not – if you're acting selfishly and the, the study of economics is the study of incentives, the incentive for someone like Rob Antony is to prove you belong in that chair. Now, did you read his Q&A with Lavelle in the Star Tribune just after the – I read switch? parts of it, yeah. So it was it's ta- oh, just the highlights? I skimmed through I, – I like to look for the analytics questions because sure. I'm always curious to hear what the twins say about analytics. For sure. No and doubt. Rob's answer to the – how do you view analytics, and what do you think about other people saying that the Twins are behind the times? And Rob, this is where Rob should – I love Rob's a great guy, but, like, his answer was so ridiculous. It was something like, we don't feel the need to justify and explain the things that we're doing. I've heard we'll, that a We'll lot. be selective. But, like, when you're the worst team in baseball over a six-year stretch and you don't your get GM to just got fired, yeah. you, don't, you don't get to say things like, Oh, we don't have to justify what we're doing. Well, when, actually, you do. When you're, <laughs> That's exactly why Terry Ryan got fired. Yeah. Because he couldn't justify what they were doing anymore. When you are the little dog, you don't get to say, little dogs yip, big dogs don't need to bark. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you're, you you're are the little man. dog. Yeah. Either bark or, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and that comes from a little dog, ironically. The way I view this job, right? <laughs> If you're the twins and you fire the most pop, maybe the most popular person in the whole organization, as a signal of look, fans, season ticket holders, vested parties, people who have have a vested interest in the twins, we need to change. We acknowledge that. Chapter two is not so. Our change is promoting his top lieutenant to the full time job. Frankly, I'm a little surprised to have even heard them say. He gets to do whatever he wants at the trade deadline, that person being Rob Antony, of course. But if they're being honest about that, if they're being serious, his best audition is to make some kind of drastic move because what percentage chance would you give? I'm the non-zero guy, so I can't answer this question. I'm asking you, Phil Mackey. <laughs> what percentage chance would you say if he basically does nothing? Let's say he trades Kinsler for a B-level prospect. He trades Kurt Suzuki at the peak of his value. And in return, they get a couple of players who might be major leaguers someday. And and that's like basically it, right? Maybe you keep Nunez. Maybe you yeah. trade Nunez. That's 
that's almost beside the point to this question. The question is, if you don't do something shocking, what is the percentage chance that Rob Antony's in that chair in Fort Myers? Zero. I'll be I'll be the zero guy. It, it's zero unless unless Jim Polad suddenly just has a guilt trip, a wave of guilt trip yeah. come over him, and I love all these guys in more which than case, I love the fans, and I'm not going to yeah. break all these hearts. In which case, I would argue he made a massive mistake, a massive misstep by hiring probably the most qualified person of that operation. Well, actually, isn't it amazing? The Twins are probably the only organization among the 120 or so organized men's team sports when you count the four leagues in this country and Canada when you count, like, Blue Jays and that you would even consider pausing when, when asking, are they going to go outside the organization? Right, right. I mean, like any other organization, this is just a placeholder front office right now, and then, and I think it is a placeholder front office, but you're not 100% sure because it's the Twins. Right. There um, is a non-zero chance, as they say. Yeah, I think it's 99.888 whatever percent. Sure. Uh, on the Antony front, it's the... It, it, you're the underdog at this point. So from a selfish standpoint, A, do you owe anything to the Twins? Um, and B, if you if you decided to kind of go rogue and make some selfish choices and say, I'm going to make a big splash. I've got the keys right now. I'm going to show what I can do. I'm going to be a wheeler and a dealer and a gambler. I'm going to yeah. be more like Alex Anthopoulos, who I want to talk about at some point before the end of this podcast. Sure. Um, d- would that help you go from... Right. Let's say zero percent to ten percent. You're the I don't know if the answer is yes. Like, what if you go out? What if you trade? If you trade two or three position player prospects and maybe maybe an established player, like if you traded Brian Dozier and Cole Stewart and somebody else for Chris Sale, and you landed Chris Sale. Number one, that's that's an intriguing trade to me because I think the Twins should be focused on pitching more than position players. But how did you know what I was just going to suggest? If you landed Chris Sale at the trade deadline. However, whatever it would take to get Chris Sale, knowing that that's almost 100% unrealistic because it's within the, the division and other teams are going to be trading to. Non-zero. Um, would you go from 0% to 20% to be right. the GM? Right. It'd be the most aggressive move in the 30 years of this ownership's fa- uh, family's history. Probably the, probably the history of the organization. Probably. I yeah. mean, I'm trying to think back at the, what's the most aggressive move that's ever yeah. been made. So, uh, yes, um, I think you do act selfishly in this case to me the decision comes down to this is this is the only decision and this is the part that's maybe not going to be talked about enough but i think deserves to be brought up and i think the listeners of the touch them all podcast uh deserve this this is where the decision hinges if you are rob antony who i don't know if listens to the podcast or not uh, but possible that he's a subscriber um he definitely subscribes to your newsletter. In this, I, th- I think he's on the letter. email list yeah, for sure. In this I've case, I've seen a few reply alls from him. In this case, all caps usually. Whoops. Um, in this case, the decision is not uh, should I be aggressive or should I be passive. The decision is on another level from that. It's it's one level up from that, and that is, am I gunning for this job or am I trying to play good soldier and be a better candidate for another job? Because look, if if he trades. Brian Dozier and Nick Gordon and it's got to be a pitcher if it's Chris Sale, right? So, sure. Uh, Jose Barrios. Sure. Barrios, Gordon, Dozier. If that's your package for Chris Sale, uh, and you probably have some filler prospects in there, but those are the that's the that's a pretty good centerpiece package, right? I that's mean, an insane trade. I think man. you could. Yeah. That's so a so great anyway, trade on both ends, blockbuster, right? right? And you could make the case it helps out both sides a little bit, especially if this relationship is fraying a little bit with Chris Sale, like it certainly seems to be. 
Um, okay, so that might increase your percentage chance of keeping this job from 0 to 20%. But what are the other 29 teams going to look at that? They are going to see a GM acting on an interim basis being reckless. I don't know about reckless. But it, uh, aggressively reckless. That and trade that you just outlined right there. That's reckless. That's, a, that's The White Sox are winning that trade for sure. Because you're getting an established major leaguer in Brian Dozier. Probably. And you're getting potentially a star pitcher in Jose Barrios and then whatever Nick Gordon turns out to be. Um, but I, but I would almost not that I would hire Rob if he made that trade. Like if I was another organization, I wouldn't look and say, "Oh my gosh, we we need to hire Rob." Anthony. We need the Wheeler and Dealer. But right now, your per, the perception surrounding Rob is that he's just a Terry Ryan protege. He's Terry's number two, and yeah. and the perception of Terry is very conservative. Even though the payroll goes up, he doesn't always spend the money that he's allowed to spend. And will rarely trade top prospects for established players. This goes yeah. back 20 years. Bobby so, Kelty's the last highly regarded prospect. He swung in a deal, right? I mean, at the time. Bobby Kelty was not a highly regarded prospect. They traded Bobby Kelty for Shannon Stewart. Yeah, the Shannon Stewart trade. Bobby Kelty was a, like a mid-level prospect. Really? Okay. So, so this was before I was covering baseball. I thought that he was I mean, kind of one of those guys that... Wilson Ramos, uh, Terry has admitted, and you might have been in there when he admitted this before one of the games. That the he game had a part. One, that he played much a much greater role in that transaction, sort of behind the curtain. Very, uh, I I will counter-argue that with a very Terry-like thing to take some heat off Bill Smith and say, I was a big part of that Ramos for Capitol. Sure, he loves to take bullets. He is, I've never seen a sports executive jump on so many live grenades. (laughs) And and, and Terry Ryan, uh, I guess he, he finally had to pay the piper for that, but for the longest time, if Anyone in the Twins organization. Yeah. Who scouted Siyoshi Nishioka? Still nobody knows. So, How has that guy not been fired? So Terry says, yeah, I was in Japan so, for a year and a half yeah. scouting. I'm like, no, you weren't. I, I was living there, and for 18 months, me and my wife took up yeah. residency in Japan. And no, that's not true at all. You're, you're course, making that up. It's easier to take bullets when your owner is on the record saying he when has you're a job for life. You can take as many bullets it. as you want if you're publicly known to be bulletproof. But on the Rob Anthony front, if you did aspire to get the Twins GM job or another GM job, this is your chance to prove that you're not just a Terry Ryan clone or or diet Terry Ryan, Terry Ryan light. You're more aggressive. You have a different viewpoint on things, and you only have a short period of time to to maybe display that. That being said, I saw a yeah. Q&A. I th- it was either Strib or it was with MLB.com and Rhett Bollinger, in which Rob said, no, it was, it was um, – it was it was a Jim Suhan's column in the Star Tribune, and he grabbed a quote from a, I think a couple of years ago talking to Rob. He which, did a profile on Anthony a few years back. Yeah, in which in which Rob said something like, "I haven't really aspired beyond the jobs that I've had. I've just enjoyed each job that I've had, and I don't really aspire to be a GM. I just really want to be a good assistant GM." Um, well, you definitely whoever the new GM is for the Twins, I want someone who's aspiring to be great. Yeah. I don't want someone who's just sort of. I Vanilla want, and milk toast. I and, want six people in the baseball ops department who want to be a GM someday. Right. Smart people who who you're you're fine if they leave because they're leaving based on how smart they are right. and they're and how much the good work they did for your organization that got noticed somewhere else. Don't you think the perfect structure in two thousand sixteen, based on all the information you're trying to take and decipher as a front office and then communicate that information down to the field level with coaches and players? It's so much different now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago and that you need someone, a president of baseball ops, who's very well-versed in analytics and maybe scouting, but most importantly, 
communicating and macro big picture thinking. Yeah. You need a you need a big visionary thinker to run the baseball ops department. And then I think beneath that person and really in the same room with that person, a GM who can handle more of the day to day stuff and, and as a liaison between uh, you know, players, coaches, manager, and, and other teams and phone calls coming in. And then in that room, I also want a traditional scouting background guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to bridge a gap if I'm a front office between all of this information and data that comes in. Mm-hmm. How do we sort it? How do we apply it on a human level and improve our team overall throughout sure. every level of our farm system? You know who'd be great at that last job? Gabe Kapler. Well, sure. I love Gabe Glenn Kapler. Glenn Perkins. Sure. Uh Terry Ryan. You. No, <laughs> no, no, that's not my open audition. You think Terry would be good at taking inform- analytical information and data? And- no, I'm talking about like a scouting head, I should say. Sure. So like if you're, ta- if you're doing like uh, you're seeing this in the NBA, but you're also seeing it in um, professional baseball as well. Yeah. President, overseer, which kind of like is the, is the big – it's like the CEO – it's well, Theo Epstein's position sure, with the Cubs. Right? Exactly. Dave Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. But then you've got uh, – it's not going to be apples to apples for a, a big corporation. But but then you've got another, like, vice president who's the general manager, which is what the Twins had. Um, yeah, I, I almost think there has to be a position above that, like you're saying exactly. So you have president, GM, and the GM is the phones guy or gal. It doesn't have to be a guy. but Actually, the, there's a – there's a female candidate. Is it Kim, Kim, Kim Ng? Is Kim that how Ng. you pronounce it? Yeah. She, I heard, I'll tell you this. When I was in Baltimore, so this would have been the summer of 2013, I was hearing um, from just various people kind of around the game and, the, and that team, she will be, if she wants to be, the first female general manager. And so um, some people some people were like, I heard scoffing at that last week. It's like, what? Why? She's qualified brilliant worker just because the industry has always been dominated by men doesn't mean that it needs to be forever Mm -hmm. and like good for her that she's such a trailblazer in that Mm -hmm. regard Uh, so so you have a president you have a gm and that's kind of like the working the phones making trades um evaluating the not only the 40-man roster but kind of the depth of the whole organization and then you should probably also have a head of analytics and you should probably also have a head of scouting and all of those three, the the second, third, and fourth people I mentioned beneath the president, those three should almost be on equal footing, I would argue. I can't make any strong argument for why the director of scouting should be have more um, leverage or, or sway in an organization than the director of analytics. Yeah, I think it should all be collaborative underneath the president of baseball sure. ops, right? It and, should be three or four smart people in a room from different backgrounds and yeah. different lines of thinking. And in some cases, you might fight and argue but out of that comes right. productivity. You and I talked about this a lot when the Twins were looking for a new manager. And I said the best way, in my opinion, to build a coaching staff or a front office, anything, get a bunch of smart people and qualified for what they're doing, put them in the same room, and let them argue. Because they don't need to have a consensus necessarily. They just need to have productive arguments and through that i mean because if you, if everyone is just a yes man and you just always agree well then yeah. there's one person sort of making the edict like a dictatorship and eventually that person's wrong about a couple of things and if you're not uh free to dissent well 
then the organization is just going to kind of go off of the rails. And, and I'm not saying that's been the Twins' primary problem, but I certainly think it's contributed to their problems over the past five seasons. Yeah, I'm also not convinced that they're we're sort of beyond the information gathering stage in baseball, and this is where the Twins have been so far behind. And it's not it's not incorrect when you when you hear it's not just us speculating. Man, the Twins seem like they're far behind. You hear former GMs and you hear plugged in national media members saying this is the Twins' chance to really maybe gain some strides and catch up to the rest of baseball in a lot of in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as you look at the Twins over the past five or ten years or so, I'm not convinced that they're beyond the information gathering stage and into the information distribution and deciphering stage. I think in a lot of ways they're still in the gathering stage, whereas maybe the Red Sox and the A's, some of the first teams like the Indians, some of the first teams to jump on board 10 years ago and say there's a lot of information we yeah. can collect. Let's let's get the information, and then step two is figuring out what to do right. with the information. I think the Twins are still just now catching up to the collection stage of uh, of the last 10 yeah. years. I some Some listeners are going to burn me for this because I don't remember the year. But I'll admit to not remembering the year. But the Boston Red Sox hired Bill James. Could you see right now the Twins? I mean, he wouldn't take this job. Why would he? But uh, someone like Bill James rising to a level of prominence such that the Twins would consider hiring him? I think the easy answer Only right now is... if he started off as a PR intern exactly, in the early 1990s exactly. with the Twins. I think right now the easy answer is no. Yeah. And... Is that jumping to a conclusion? Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm probably um, painting with too broad of a brush stroke here. But then prove me wrong. You know, if you're the twins and you bristle at that assertion that, yeah. well, you would never hire someone like Bill James because you're not forward thinking and you don't value outside opinions, then prove me wrong. Show me that that is just a misperception. So far, at least, you know, since I've been covering the team, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which Bill James or someone like him was ever hired. And that's a problem to Is me. Bill James lovable, though? Yeah, well, okay. So, <laughs> I'm, on Mike Barad- I'm on Mike Baradino's piece right now on TwinCities.com, Pioneer Press. He's got 10 outside candidates, and he's just, I think this is his own vetting. I, I don't think this is, like, well-sourced, or I don't think he's saying these 10 guys are going to be interviewed. He's just saying, here's, here's 10 names that are out there, and sure. that makes sense. He wrote a bunch of paragraphs for these guys. I think, Mike, it could have been simplified. Ten names and a checkbox. Lovable or not? Yeah. Yes, no. You can narrow it on the field no. then. Yeah. If, Jim, if Jim Polad can't walk up to you and give you a big hug <laughs> yeah. that lasts about 30 seconds and take a deep okay. breath. So this turned into... And hug his GM. you got to be I lovable, think, man. I think that this turned into much more than it was intended to be, obviously, right? I mean... The question, as it was asked, was a little like I I was a little confused by by what was what the reporter was digging at, and then Jim, in his well, the question was what qualities are you looking for, kind, right? Kinda no, it was like there was a roundabout circuitous question uh, of uh, don't you need to fix this kind of a thing, and Jim, I could see the I could see this happen, right? You were in this little setting with yeah. Jim Polad, Dave St. Peter, Joe Polad. I could see his brain jump back to a previous question that something we'd been talking about as a group 10 minutes earlier. And he's like, oh, I forgot to mention this. We all loved Terry. 
And then so instead of answering the question in a direct fashion, he took it and said, like, oh, by the way, i got to talk about how lovable Terry Ryan was. And then, of course, that turned into a big brouhaha. Do you think this is going to sound terrible? This is going to sound – this is going to be sacrilege for anyone with the twins. And I love Terry Ryan, too. I think Terry Ryan – I don't think him and I have as great of a relationship the last two years just because I've been so critical on my radio show and on this podcast and in writing. But do you think in some ways, based on everything that was on his plate and based on the Twins' outdated front office structure, and they're, they're already behind and they're, they're undermanned and understaffed compared to some of the other top teams, that Terry Ryan's lovability and the lengths that he went to to maintain that lovability, which was that's his personality. He was the guy who would sort of check in on and, and ping everyone at every level, and he would know families of people throughout the minor mm-hmm. leagues, and he went way out of his way. And I am not knocking him for that. But I'm saying, based on him not having a whole lot of help compared to other teams around him, did his lovability cut into his productivity as a GM in some ways? Or maybe his lack of being able to outsource and or uh, streamline workload and information load. Easy answer in my book. Yes. No question about it. Uh, I'll tell you a story, and he would hate this. Um, so, sorry, Terry. <laughs> frequent, frequent listener to the Touch Them All podcast, and uh, you know, it pain, pains me to say this. but it, And it's a small story. It's just it's, it's an example. Uh, Terry Ryan spoke to the media before every single game, home game, and most road games. I don't cover most of the road games, but uh, I was in Milwaukee this year. He did it there too. Actually, the that, beat writers talked to him. That basically anecdote every day. right there is right. is maybe thirty minutes out of each day. Too much access. Yeah, and we appreciate the access. Right, too much, and he's worried about. I, I hope that the next general manager does that. I also, as the non-zero guy, am willing to admit zero percent chance that happens. Mm-hmm. Because not only is he taking that half hour, twenty minutes, whatever it is, while he's like eating dinner. Uh, He's also then ah that question that so and so asked really stuck in my craw or like oh, I was thinking about that. Stop worrying what the media thinks. He he was far too accountable, and it sounds weird to say that because he kept his job for so long in a terrible team. But but too um, too available to be berated, and I almost think it was like kind of a defense mechanism, like oh you want to really go after me? All right, say it to my face. And most people cower at that. Most people are not willing to say, this has gone terribly. Most people that were very critical of him were unwilling to show up. You arm wrestled him one time, though, right? To your <laughs> that's credit. That's true. It's actually Indian wrestling, I think, where you <laughs> swing the leg up and try to win it down. I don't know if that's the politically correct term. That's what we called it when I was growing up. No, that never happened. But, but uh, so, so here's the anecdote. Not only was he too available, I, I would argue, um, the, the people that are willing to really criticize him were very unwilling to show up, and the people that were willing to show up seemed to me, weirdly, unwilling to really go after him critically with a critical eye for some of his moves and, and some of his missteps. And if he tells you that the Mike con- Pelfrey contract was a good contract, then you write that, which, like, it just, no, it wasn't. It was a bad contract. You made a mistake. And I appreciate that you're being accountable to that, but... It, I almost think it softened the blows, the fact that he would get up there and say, well, we still we liked what Pelfrey sure. gave us. He was a competitor. That, that absolutely softened the blows. What I will say is that uh, we're in the pregame media session, and this was early this season. I think it was in May. It was already clear that the season was kind of off the rails, but, but it was still in the very like stressed-out phase of like, gosh, how do we fix this? How can we get on a winning streak to get this thing back? Whereas I think by the end it was almost like, okay, this year's done. Put a fork in it and figure it out for next year. 
um, the the media sessions started at for a seven ten first pitch six thirty promptly on the nose. Terry Ryan would if he was there at six twenty eight and ready to go. He would chit-chat for two minutes until it was 6.30. Give anyone who wasn't quite there yet a chance to catch up, which is amazing to me. Like, if I was the GM, I would be like, hey, I've got four minutes for you. Ask me two questions, and I'm out of here. And Terry would sit and ask someone about, like, oh, how was your va- – you weren't here last week. How was your vacation? Yeah. Kind of chit-chat. Okay, which so that's is not- tough because you really do appreciate that, and you love Correct. the access. On a personal level. great on a personal level, and it might help explain why – Terry Ryan didn't take as much heat as maybe a Rick Spielman would, sure. or like David Kahn, or somebody who's more more abrasive, a little smarmy. more condescending. Yeah, yeah. Terry Ryan wasn't smarmy. Yeah. Um, but the the anecdote that I want to share. So that was just some background for the listeners. Six thirty. Oh, okay. Uh, he'd look around. Uh, yes, yeah, everyone is everyone here that's usually here. Okay, looks like we can start. Go ahead. What What do you got for us? What questions do you have? Well, one day he looks up at the clock and it was six fifteen. It's an analog clock, and he says, 6.15, that's not right. And he looks at his phone or his Fitbit or whatever he was wearing. And says, no, it's, six, it's 6.30. Okay, we can start. Man, we ought to fix that clock. Okay, media session starts. We talk for 10 minutes. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for your time. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow, 24 hours later, 23 and a half hours later, it's 6.15. He goes, God dang it if that clock's not fixed. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, clock says, my watch says 6.30. Let's get started, guys. What do you got? Day three of the series. It's a 1 p.m. game, night, night, day. Terry looks up at the clock. What's that say? Oh, okay, 12.30. I said, oh, hey, Terry, they fixed the clock finally. Three days that thing was out. He goes, yeah, I had to put in a work order yesterday. It looks like they got around to it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the most twins-like anecdote. That, I sat there, my eyes must have popped out of my skull. And I even said to him after the media session ended, I said, Mm -hmm. Terry, no disrespect because, like, that is is something that most people wouldn't – like, how long would you go in your house with a clock that's broken and out of batteries before you actually fixed it? For me, it would be six months. But as a major league GM, you have – there's so many things you could and should be worrying about. I said to him, that is not the kind of thing – I mean, I mean no disrespect from this and far be it from my place to tell you this – but that's not the kind of thing that you should have to worry about. There should be someone else taking care of the clocks in the dining room. And he goes, he basically brushed it off like, oh, yeah, well, things need fixing, and I get them done. And I, yeah. I respect that so much. But in today's modern society of how much information needs to be processed by a GM, you just need to outsource little things that don't matter that are easily rec- replicable. I have a similar story about the the previous GM, Bill Smith, uh, who oh everybody's got a Bill Smith story it, where he went too far with something he didn't need to take. Yeah, out. but the, but and it's it's and it's it's a similar story. I'll just be quick on this anecdote because I've got that Bachelorette podcast right. I've got to get to <laughs> and, if we're being honest. And I was not quick on my. We're going to talk story. about Rob Anthony in the Bachelorette podcast, oh, wow. ironically. But I think this anecdote, just like yours, it illustrates how different the twins are in a lot of ways and how and how the the family-oriented culture can sometimes bite you, as it has the last five or six years. Where Bill would be, I, I can't remember when this was. This is like 2008, 2009 kind of time here, 2010, before right. he got let go. 
and they had some kind of a winter, uh, pre-winter meetings, organizational meetings down in Fort Myers. They usually hold those sometime in early October if they're not in the playoffs. So sometime in, they go down. So what you're saying is they usually hold them in early October. Recently, with Bill yeah. Smith, it was yeah, more like true. late that's October, true. though. Yeah. Yeah. So they would go down to they go down and they talk about blueprints for the future and and free agency. What are we going to do this winter? Or are there any? Let's go over every player on our roster, everyone on the forty man roster, everybody from A through Z. And Bill, who's the head of these personnel meetings, would stop these meetings, at least did one time and maybe more often, to go over Fort Myers expansion blueprints with mm. people in the room. Yeah. Should your general manager in charge of baseball operations be worried about a clock or be worried about blueprints in Fort Myers and things like that? The answer is and no. And these are like, I don't mean to, these are just little anecdotes. Right. And it's, I'm not trying but to say. But they could here. be symptoms, right? Sure. I mean, it's symptoms of a grander problem. They need. More focus, and I, th- I think they need a different structure. And uh, and real quick here on Alex Anthopoulos. If you're a Twins fan out there and you're rooting for the opposite of what you've got in the last few years, if you're rooting for Terry Ryan, more conservative, had more budget to play with in free agency and oftentimes wouldn't, hey, you got $6 million to go spend on a reliever and he maybe wouldn't spend that money. Alex Anthopoulos, I'm not saying he's one of the best GMs in baseball by any means, but he is the opposite of Terry Ryan. This is a guy that will go out and try and win the winter meetings. He went out and made a big splash a couple off-seasons ago. Mm-hmm. It didn't pan out for the Blue Jays, but traded for Jose Reyes and Mark Burley and Josh Johnson. He traded for Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. a couple years ago. He actually at one point traded for R.A. Dickey coming off a Cy Young Award two years earlier, and the prospect he gave up in that trade was Noah Syndergaard. So if you're looking for a guy who's going to trade, he's not only looking to trade for top stars in a mid-market situation which toronto is he's completely open to trading top prospects which terry ryan really wasn't i'm not saying that's the right approach or that that's what the twins should be looking for but if you're a fan looking for the opposite alex anthopoulos works for the dodgers now and he i'm I'm assuming wants to be a gm again i've got three things before we go and they're all quick hitters someone asked me what i thought about the cubs deal for araldus chapman not having scouted or intimately studied the prospects that are going the other way but fully no, knowing well that the consensus in the organization is there's some pretty good players headed to New York. So, by the way, uh, all the off-field stuff aside, good job, Yankees. Mm-hmm. You went and got a lights-out reliever, let him be lights-out for a half season, and turned your modest haul of prospects into a haul of prospects. Good for you. Uh, Cubs, good for you. Go win the World Series. Someone said, boy, but oh, they're giving up so much for chat. Yes. I know that they are. And here's the thing. So does Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein knows they are giving up a lot to get Chapman, and he is willing to gamble to go win the World Series. You don't get very many opportunities to do that. Uh, Bravo Yankees. Bravo Cubs for how that was handled. Second thing, uh, selfish plug. If you are listening to this podcast this far in and you cared about my first recommendation, Go sign up for the email list. It's a five thoughts email list. They're very quick. Every time I write a column, I email it to the list so that you never miss a column. Uh, find any of my five thoughts columns online, and there's a little sign up at the bottom. Just give me your email. I'll do the rest. Third thing, this one's for Rob Anthony. Mr. Anthony, if you're still listening, go trade for Chris Sale. Stay tuned for 60 second AP News headlines.